For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. We are here to fuel your Rockets news. This is the Rockets Field Podcast presented by Clutch Fans. I am your co-host, Lashar Binkley. As usual, you can find me on Twitter at Binkley Hoops. And you can find my written work at The Dream Shake and also my national work at SB Nation. And before we get too far into it, as usual, I want to uh, let my co-host introduce himself. Hey, what's up, y'all? It's Vader. Uh, you can find me at Vader underscore H-Town on Twitter mostly. Uh, I do have content on TikTok and also Instagram, so check me out there as well. All right, Vader. So I wasn't planning on doing a show today. Usually I only do one once a week. Um, but, of course, we had the Rockets and Jazz last night. Um, they are playing a home-and-home home series. Of course, the Rockets got their first win of the year on Monday, and then they traveled to uh, face off against the Jazz last night. Uh, fortunately, they didn't come away with the win, so they fell to 1-4 and four on the season. But there was a few things I wanted to get out there today uh, before they get into the next game because the Rockets have a lot of games coming up in a very short period of time. So I wanted to go ahead and get a podcast out today kind of discussing last night's game because we've been seeing the complaints um, all the way from, you know, the normal coach Tyler should be fired. The Rockets don't run any offense. Kevin Porter Jr. is not a point guard. You know, the, the normal things that we usually see throughout the timelines throughout the day. Um, so, of course, I wanted to start with last night's game. And, and in particular, I wanted to start with the second quarter because that's kind of where the Rockets lost the game yesterday because they got scored 39 to 28 in the second quarter. Um, I actually went through and watched the entire game again today because a lot of times you can't really you can't really see everything on the court when you're watching the game live because you know you're doing this, you're maybe looking at highlights, and then you got the play other plays going on so you don't really have time to really pay attention to the game so i actually went back and watched the entire game specifically the second quarter and the last few minutes of the fourth quarter where they were close to coming back and then it just kind of fell apart in the last few minutes uh of the game yesterday and what i really saw yesterday was a team that don't get me wrong the rockets do not run a complicated offense (laughs) they're not running backdoor screens they're not running pin downs they're not running double screens at the top of the, the key, getting people open. So don't get me wrong. The, the coaching staff is not running some type of elaborate um, offensive scheme. And there's multiple reasons for that. Yes, you can you can say Coach Silas and the coaching staff need to do a better job of getting their players ready. So I won't sit up here and say that they shouldn't. Even the most loyal Rockets fan will agree. The Rockets offense offensive scheme does need some help because a lot of times they are just running five out. Nobody's moving. It's one-on-one basketball. It's, hey, Kevin Porter Jr., Jalen Green, even sometimes Eric Gordon beats your man off the dribble and gets somebody open. So they're not running offensive sets all the time. But at the same time, the Rockets also aren't executing when they actually do try to run offensive set. There were several plays, especially in the second quarter, 
where they actually try to run some type of offensive set, but the players didn't execute. It was one where um, Knicks took the ball to the basket, and Knicks is not having a great start to the year. But Knicks took the ball to the basket off a of pick and roll with Uzma Garuba. So Knicks made a mistake by going too deep in and getting trapped under the basket. Garuba didn't roll hard enough, which let Sexton get back into the play. And then on top of that, you had Tate on the floor. So his man was already in the paint as well. He wasn't even guarding him. So it was so many different things wrong with that one particular play. And that's kind of how the Rockets offense is going as a whole. It's just it's not just one thing. They're not running particularly um, elaborate sets. They're not executing when they do run offensive sets. And then you have players that are in the right positions on top of it. So my, my thing is you can't really just blame one thing. You can't just say, well, it's Coach Tyler's fault. If they had a better coach, then all these players would be shooting better wide open shots or Dacia Knicks would be playing better or Jalen Green wouldn't have shot 30% from the field last night. It's, it's a combination of things that I think everybody kind of just needs to um, needs to pay attention to when they're watching the games that the Rockets are still extremely young. I know a lot of these players, some of these players have been in the league now for a few years, like Kevin Porter Jr., but these guys are still 20, 21 years old. They're still learning. I don't even think that the Rockets are still even putting in a full offensive set. And also another thing, they really missed Alper and Shangoon last night because that's the type of game where they needed somebody that could actually stabilize the offense by dumping it down in the post. So like you said, when you go back and look at it, you know, a few things kind of stick out. Uh, watching it, I'm going to just speak from a pure uh, fan. You know, like I said, when I when I watch the game, you know, the first time through, it's always kind of like through the eyes of just, you know, I'm just being a, I'm just being a fan. Yeah. And so there were times last night where I'm just like, what are what are we doing? Yeah. I, I was I was kind of confused, you know. And so that's when when you go back and you like actually look at it again and you kind of see some of the, the little intricate details of what's happening, you get a better understanding. But I, I want to talk about how I felt last night first. So I'm watching the game last night, and it's kind of one of those things where, you you know, I love all these guys. I think that they all have potential. But then you, you start to wonder exactly, um, are they being put in the best position to be successful? So I see, like, for example, a guy like Daisha Nix. Um, I spent a better part of last season defending Nation Knicks as a, as a player. <laughs> yeah. You know, I feel like he's an NBA player. He has an NBA body, in my in my opinion, just the fact that he's so much bigger than people at his position. You know, I think he has some advantages that he could take better advantage of. For example, like you were talking about how when he goes to the basket, I felt like if he would use his size a little bit more and play with a little bit more pace as he goes to the basket, I feel like that's his advantage rather than just trying to out quick and, you know, you know, be fast and, you know, be a speedy, a speedy guy. He's not, he's not that guy. He'll never uh-huh. be that guy. So, um, and then he's in the game and, I, and he's not really productive yesterday. You know, let's be honest. And I see, you know, a guy like Josh Christopher, who I also know hasn't had like that great of an off season as far as like what we saw from him during the preseason and then the early parts of this year. But I think back to last year and I'm like, I know Josh Christopher is a guy who does play well with Jalen Green. He does play well with Kevin Porter Jr. when he's given minutes. So I question that. Uh, you know, there was a lot of uh, people who were upset about the Boban uh, cameo. Um, and, I, and I know you defended it because you felt like, uh, you know, it was a matchup situation. And, and I think Silas even mentioned that the, the previous matchup against Utah, that he put him in because uh, Walker Kessler is a, is a huge body. Yeah. And he felt like Boban would be a good person to match up with him. So you can kind of see it. But then you see Boban on the floor and he's not really he's not really productive. So yeah. then you, you wonder. Um, 
why put a guy out there who's not really productive and he plays like a handful of minutes and then you don't see him again? And, you know, why doesn't he come back in when Walker Kessler comes back in later in the game? So yeah. it's just little things like that. You just kind of wonder, like, what's really going on out here? Um, the offense looks disjointed at times. But we also, like you said, we have to take into consideration that we have a lot of 19-year-olds on the court, 20-year-olds, 21-year-olds, 22-year-olds. You know, these guys need to be given time. Yeah. Um, I just I just hope that, you know, what they are doing and what they are learning in practice, that they're internalizing it. And it's not one of those situations where you have a coach like Silas seems like an, an awesome person. Like he seems like a really nice guy. Yeah. I think he's a good teacher. Um, but are they listening to him? Does he have their ear? Does, does is his voice being heard in the room? And that's one of the things that you just kind of wonder, because, you know, I'm sure he has a playbook. Come on. Like, I, I, I see the comments on Twitter about, like, he's not running an offense. He, he doesn't have a playbook. Yeah. This looks like an um, uh, AAU team. I, I don't want to go so far as to say that because that's insulting to him. He, he is a professional coach. He's probably forgotten more basketball than a lot of us, you know, remember and know right now. But to, you know, to us, it just kind of looks like, you know, it looks confusing. Yeah. So. I think the fact that, you know, we have all these young guys on the team, I'm just hoping that his voice is being heard in the room and that he is like the, the right guy to lead this young group. You know, we a lot of, you know, a lot of has been made of the fact that he was hired initially, you know, the co- coach a veteran group of guys. Yeah. You know, this is a different this is a different situation. And so, you know, just watching the game initially, those were just kind of some of some of the things that I took away, like through my first watch through. Yeah. I've been definitely one of the people that's defended Silas since he's been here about being patient. But at times yesterday, and just rewatching the game, I saw it. I mean, there was a lot of times where they didn't really seem to know what to do on the offensive end. And then you end up getting Eric Gordon forcing the ball into the paint. Um, and the offense is just completely thrown out at that at that point because you just have Jabari Smith in one corner. You have Jalen Green in another corner. You have KPJ at the top. And then you have Eric Gordon dribbling the ball into the paint into three or four people. And then that's not really an offense you can run against NBA teams. I mean, it, it may work in college if you have if you're just so much better than the other team. But in the NBA, it's not going to work on a consistent basis. It'll work once or twice, which I saw. It worked a couple of times in the second quarter where Kevin Porter Jr. was able to get into the paint and draw the defense. But at some point, teams are going to pick up on that, and they're not going to just let you get into the paint. They're going to make you pass the ball around and beat them and actually run some type of offense. And yeah, a lot of times it did seem like they were just kind of just out there running that, hey, you try to get to the paint, you try to get to the paint thing instead of actually running some type of offense. And then at the same time, you have to wonder, does Coach Salas have complete confidence in the players that he have that they can actually run a more uh, – uh, intricate offense than that running right now. So to me, it's just a whole combination of things. It's also you're, you're you're going four or five games into a new season. They haven't had their guys a full team the entire time. The whole process, preseason, training camp, now regular season. You get one guy back, and now Shangun's out, and Tate's been out. So they are just kind of just seem like they're just trying to do a lot of things on the fly and trying to figure out things as they go, it's, even with the rotation. Like you mentioned, Josh Christopher didn't even – I think he got a DMP last night. He didn't even get, yeah, off, get, he didn't get off the bench. So it seems like they're still trying to figure out exactly what's going on. I'll say this much. If this is still happening in December, January, then you're then the, the criticism of the coaching staff can even go deeper. I, then I can – I'll start understanding even more. But right now – 
just for me personally, it's still early in the season. Yes, we saw some of these same things last year with some of the same similar players. So I can't say that, well, it's just automatically going to get better because they'll have more time. But at the same time, they still are trying to implement in Jabari Smith. They are still trying to implement in a couple other different players like Atari Eason. Um, so they are still trying to figure out things on the court. So I'll reserve my. I agree. I agree yeah. with you in that regard because I think that was one of the things that I, I was kind of trying to say last night um, yeah. when I spoke to a few people. Um, let's give it a little bit more time. Uh, I don't know how patient we're like the schedule that's coming up is going to be insane. It's brutal. So yeah. I'm imagining around this time next week we may be like. Uh, in emergency mode <laughs> because people are already like melting down yes. and they don't, I think a lot of these same people who are like really upset right now have not looked at the schedule. We do not have any easy games coming up. Yeah. And then like, I mean, typically, I mean, let's just be honest. There are no easy games for this team, but there aren't any uh, games coming, coming up against teams where you say we have a like legitimate chance of actually beating that team. Like we're going to, we're going to be the underdog in every game that we play. And then uh, we play Orlando Magic, and that's going to be a while from now. We play the Orlando Magic, um, who's, you know, they're perfectly capable of beating the Rockets, you know, as well. And then after that, the schedule gets even even worse because there's so many road games coming up. And so, like, what what you were saying about uh, let's give it some time, I I 100% agree with that. However, when you look at the schedule, I don't think a lot of fans are going to see it that way after if we go through another sustained losing streak. And then – um, I think a, a lot of the disappointment stems from the fact that um, we were like, okay, we're, we're going to see some some improved offense this year, some improved offensive yeah. play with like some some different actions and some different plays and stuff like that. And um, somebody had said to me like, if this is the new playbook that that Silas was talking about, he needs to burn this playbook. Like, <laughs> and I was like, come on, man! Like, it's um, it's still super super duper early. However, like I, yeah. I get it, I get it because. I'm 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 watching the game like I said earlier, and I'm just I'm just really confused as to what we're trying to accomplish. And I know that we don't really have a natural point guard on the team, and that's fine, because I look at a team, and of course, you know, we're talking about the NBA champions right now. But the Golden State Warriors do not really have that guy at point guard. Yes, yes, Draymond Green is the de facto point guard, but he's not he's not probably a guy who, like, if you put him in a you know iso-centric offense he's just going to bring the ball up the court and just make stuff happen he gets a lot of the assists that he gets either through transition or the actions that they run in the half court set so you know i'd like to see us you know incorporate some different things where guys are moving and because we have guys who can make those kind of passes like shangun um you know kpj is a very capable passer you know if we were just like running certain things to get guys open um i don't know i think everything will just look a lot better and was and will flow a lot better um, I know Silas, you know, he came to us with the reputation of being an offensive coach. And so, you know, we we have to kind of like we, – we have to kind of stand on that. Like that's what we were sold. So, like I'm expecting to see, you know, at some point in time, you know, before the all-star break, a, a fluid offense, you know, irregardless of the age of the, the players that we have on the team. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely agree. At some point you have to see some type of improvement from your – especially on the offensive end and, and also on the defensive end as well. Because, I mean, let's be honest, the defense was a lot better in the fourth quarter. But like I said, they lost a the game in the second quarter. Um, you can't keep trying to play uphill on the road against a surprisingly good team, at least a good team to start the year. 
uh, when you give up 38 points in the second quarter. And it's the same thing on defense. It's, it's execution. They're, they're not in the right spots a lot of times. The communication is bad. They're still not running pick-and-roll defense correctly um, to where you can see a lot of times when Utah was running pick-and-roll, they would have their weak side man drop down in the paint and help out. The Rockets don't communicate at all. So when they were running that pick-and-roll, it was one play in the second quarter where Garrison Matthews and Jabari Smith were in the pick-and-roll action on defense. And for some reason, they didn't switch at all. Jabari, well, Jabari actually tried to switch, but Garrison Matthews stuck to his man, and he was behind the play. And then they gave up They gave up an easy layup because there was no communication. It's like they didn't know whether they should be switching or should Jabari be dropping back in coverage. And you see, if you go back and watch the game, you see this. So it's a combination of things. There's definitely some execution and, issues, some execution yeah, things. Yeah. And I think you even noticed it in the first Utah game when um, there was the little, you know, it was overblown, but the little blow up between um, Jabari and Jalen, you know, on yeah, that play. Yeah, on the play, like there was a play. Like we called a play or Silas called a play and the play was not executed. And then yeah. Jalen Green was upset because the play was not executed. But there was actually a play. And I remember the first time I watched that through, I was like, I, I was like, man, what is Kevin Porter Jr. doing? <laughs> yeah, he got, like he got stuck. He got stuck because Jabari didn't come over and set the screen for Jalen. Because I think I'm pretty sure the ball is supposed to go to Jalen in that situation. Right. But Kevin Porter Jr. had to kind of try to save the day. But it looks like he's hogging the ball. That's exactly what I'm saying. So, like, sometimes when you watch stuff the first time, you you don't see, like, re- what really happened. Because I'm telling you, yeah. when I first watched that play, and I love KPJ, but I was like, man, what is K- what is KPJ doing? I mean, get him out of there. We need a point guard, you know? <laughs> like, he needs to run the offense. And then, you yeah. know, when you watch it back, you see, oh, okay, we had a play call. The play was not executed. It was not, you know, completely on him. You know, maybe he could have done something better with the ball, but he, he, I mean, at that point, he pretty much had to, like, go for what he knows. At that point, yeah. there was no play. It was just, okay, I'm going to try to make something happen, and, and that's what he had to do. Yeah, and real quick, um, just to kind of follow up on what you were saying on the schedule. So they have Portland, Phoenix, the Clippers twice, Minnesota, Orlando, Toronto, Orlando, the only one they, you know, they may actually, they still won't be favored because it's a road game, but at least they'll be a lot closer. Um, then they got Toronto, New Orleans. Then they got the Clippers again at Dallas, Golden State, and then finally Oklahoma City on November 26th, a team that's definitely trying to tank, and they're not even hiding it. But, I mean, th- that that schedule is insane. Brutal. So you, you try to factor in the, the absolutely ridiculous – Probably the, it, I'm not just saying this just because, you know, we're talking about the Rockets, but this is probably one of the most difficult schedules I've ever seen a team start the season with. I mean, it, it is a r- ridiculously insane schedule. Because um, even after you Oklahoma City, then you got Denver twice, Phoenix, Golden State, Philadelphia. I mean, it's and, and most of these are road games. And most of these are road games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's insane. Yeah, ten of if I wasn't, I, I read somewhere. I think the Rockets released it where they. They're going to be tied for the most road games in the first 13 games of the NBA season. I mean, they, 10 out of the first 13 games are road games. So it's hard to evaluate a team where they've had a bunch of injuries. They haven't been together. They're extremely young. And then they're playing. The, I, I can pretty much – I don't have to even look up some type of strength of schedule. I can guarantee the Rockets probably have, if not the hardest schedule, 
definitely top two or three hardest schedules in the NBA. It's almost like the NFL team that won the Super Bowl the year before and they get a hard <laughs> schedule the next year. I mean, it's, it's, it's actually the complete opposite of what the Rockets probably should have been getting in the beginning of the year, being the worst team last year. But it's just hard. I just want people to just think about all the factors. It's not black and white. It's not simple. It's not just simple as, hey, if we were to bring in Steve Kerr, all of a sudden the Rockets would be a better offensive team. I just I don't personally think that's the case. I just think it's just too many factors that's going into this right now to just pinpoint one thing. I mean, maybe I mean if they had James Harden was still here, Russell Westbrook was still here, and all those players were still here, like Coach Shaws was um, supposed to coach in the first place, and then you were seeing stuff like this, then you could say, okay, he has a superstar player, and he still can't get an offensive scheme around this superstar player. Then you could say, okay, that's the coach. But when you have a bunch of 19, 20-year-old uh, players who are barely even out of college, it's hard to evaluate just the coach. That's, that's basically what I'm saying. And, There's and plenty of blame to go around. <laughs> and speaking of evaluation, you make a good point because uh, like I, I kind of um, pushed back on the Dacian Knicks thing earlier when I was saying, like, I don't understand why he's in the rotation over Josh Christopher. I, I think yeah. Josh Christopher is clearly a better player. But yeah. – at the same time, um, you got to evaluate Dacia Nix. And what better time than now? This year is the year where you want to throw him in the fire and kind of see what he can do. It's a sink or swim situation. Right now he's kind of sinking. He he needs to uh, make sure that he takes advantage of this situation because he may not get another situation. I mean, another um, another chance like this on this particular team. So yeah. I'm, I'm hoping that he bounces back. And I hope it's just one of those things where he just has to kind of get acclimated to what's going on. But, like, it doesn't really look good right now. But, I mean, a lot, a lot of people are saying they want to tank this year. But when we lose, they get mad. Like, you know, people are talking about, oh, we want to tank. We want Wimby. We want Scoot. We want one of the Thompson twins. Yeah. But as soon as we lose a game, you know, everybody is, like, angry. And, like, you know, Don't tank too hard, though. And argument <laughs> and stuff like that. And so, like, you can't have it both ways. And I do understand that it's not just about the wins and losses. It is about – um, with the product that you see on the floor, but yeah. if if we're being honest, most of the time if they lose, you're not gonna see you're not gonna see a lot of the things that you <laughs> want to see in a loss. Yeah, you know, there's gonna be some close losses, and that we are going to say, man, they could have won that game if this and this had bounced, you know, a little bit differently. But I, I guarantee you, at least a half or more of the losses that we sustain this year are going to be ugly losses, and we're going to yeah. be sitting here, you know, trying to figure out what the heck happened. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up because I want to just talk about that briefly before we wrap it up here. Um, it, it is real funny because yeah, I understand some people have legitimate concerns that they want them to lose. They want them to lose because they think the team will get better. And they have legitimate concern because you can still see whether they're progressing or not even if they lose. But some people, like you said, want to have their cake and eat it too. They want they want to lose but they don't want to look horrible losing. But usually when you lose, you're not going to look good. That's why you lost the game in the first place. So it kind of just goes around and around and around. And it's like people people want to tank, but they, they, they're not built to watch a team tank. It's easy to say, I want my team to tank like it's NBA 2K. But it's a whole other thing when you can't just simulate through an entire season. you got to <laughs> actually sit there and watch the game. So that's what people are not understanding. Like, Because, I mean, I'm older. I've I've been through all types of rocket seasons. I've been through rocket season where they won championships. I've been through rocket season when they were horrible, like in the Steve Francis years where they couldn't beat anybody. 
Um, when Akeem first left, I mean, you talk about watching some bad basketball. That was watching some bad basketball. So I've been through all of it before, so I kind of have a different perspective. I know a lot of the fans now haven't been through that. A lot of fans really just started around the time James Harden came with the Rockets. And, of course, mm-hmm. we know the Rockets were making the playoffs every single year. So now they're kind of in a, in a shock, like, what do I do? I don't know how to even function because the Rockets aren't winning every game. But at the end of the day, I mean, they're either going to play well enough to win the game. Now, maybe some games where they don't play well and they do win, but that's going to be a rare occurrence because the Rockets aren't built like that. They're not Golden State. They can't have like horrible games and still somehow win the game because they don't have a bunch of superstars running around the court. Um, but most of the time, if they lose a game, it's probably because they are looking bad in some particular area. So it's going to be one thing or the other. Either they're going to win and look good winning, or they're going to lose, and more than likely it's going to be because they either shot 20% from the field or they turned the ball over 25 times. So like you said, some people are not exactly sure what they want <laughs> at the end of the yeah, day. They, they, think they, they think they're built for this uh, this tank, but – you know, oh, you, you're going to have to be prepared for some ugly <laughs> losses. There's going to be a lot more games yeah. like the ones that happened yesterday. And like, and, and to their credit, they did not quit, right? Exactly. That is one yeah. of the things that we, we should at least, like, give them some credit for that. They could have easily just packed it in and, and lost by 30 points. But they, you know, they cut it to three, I think. And, um, yeah. you know, they lost by eight points, I believe, off the top of my head. So, like, yeah. it could have been a lot worse. I mean, the game was ugly. You know, we saw a lot of stuff that we didn't want to see, but we did see some – there were some positives that you could take from the game. At the end of the day, they did at least fight back, and you have to give the coaches some credit for that because if a team is kind of tuned out on the coach and don't really care, then they're not going to try to fight back in that game. Like I kind of pointed out last year, this this type of game last year, they probably would have got – end up getting beat by 25 points. They wouldn't have got back into the game, especially in the fourth quarter. Um, but at the end of the day, you do eventually have to start seeing more progress on the court because you have to be building towards next year because you know the Rockets are going to really try to bring in players, like more veteran-type players next year because they are going to try to compete and try to get in the playoffs starting next year. So you have to at least try to build up to that. You don't want to try to go from zero to 60 uh, next year, go from – having another 18-19 win season, then all of a sudden you're like, okay, yeah, now I want to start trying to win and go to the playoffs. That's just not how it works. You have to at least have some type of foundation going into next year. Uh, real quick before that, we wrap up. I think the most yeah, important thing about that, though, is um, I just think having veterans on the team automatically is going to fix some of these issues, but you yeah. want to put something on the floor where some veterans will want to come here. And they'll be <laughs> exactly. like, oh, okay, you know, they have the pieces. They just need me, right? Or they need exactly. me and this other guy, and we're, we're coming together. We're a package deal. And so that is the fear because I do know that, like, a lot of this, a lot of the mistakes that they make are just like young player mistakes. A lot of the things yeah. that they're doing is just uh, they're just learning. They're 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 kids. Exactly. I hate to call them kids because they're you know they're grown men. But you know as, as far as like their basketball you know career where they are in the in their development as basketball players, they're kids. So yeah. you know you bring in some veteran talent, veteran veteran leadership, it's going to fix a lot of those things. But you want to be able to put a product on the floor where those guys are, you know, feel like they can come here and win. Nobody is going to want to come here. Not not any like really good player. We could probably get, you know, some guys and overpay for them. Uh, but yeah. like if we really want to get some different ma- difference makers to like actually come to Houston, 
You know, um, I think like Jalen Green is going to have to have some sustained level of success this year. KPJ yeah. is going to have to show that, you know, he's, uh, you know, the type of player that we believe he can be. Uh, Jabari is going to have to be, con- you know, consistently, you know, the kind of player that we think he can be. And then these uh, veteran guys will feel like, oh, I might be the missing piece to something special over there. And like Chris Paul, when he went to Phoenix, Phoenix had an infrastructure in place you know, with Devin Booker and some of those guys, and it made it an attractive destination for a guy like Chris Paul. Exactly. Same thing that happened when the Rockets, um, when they were winning, um, the, the Rockets started bringing in players like P.J. Tucker um, that wanted to play Chris Paul again um, because they had built a foundation of, yeah, they're, they haven't gotten to a championship, but they're building towards that. So, yeah, you got to have some type of cohesion on the court to where, Veteran players, especially veteran players that aren't going to be asking for a ton of money, they, they're going to have a lot of options. So you want to have you know, some type of foundation in place to where they, like you said, they see like, okay, if I go to this team, then we can take that next step. They're not going to want to come to a team that's winning 18, 19 games a year. I don't care how much money you have, um, how, you know, how great one person may look. Maybe Jalen Green looks like an all-star. If you're not winning games – Players, especially players that are in the middle of the career, towards the end of the career, they're going to start to look at other places. They're, they're going to go look at Memphis. They're going to go look at um, a, maybe even a freaking Utah if Utah keeps winning. Um, they're going to look at teams that are actually winning games, even though they may not even have made the playoffs a year before. So the Rockets have to continue to like build up to that. So and it can and it the, can flip though if you really think yeah. back to Phoenix like they weren't good that year the, the year before um, Chris Paul came I think but they won those games in the bubble though yeah yeah so when the bubble came around like they they put on a show they showed that they were exactly. capable of, of actually maybe do, being able to be something and that's yeah. what caught his eye so you know like it's we're we're four games in there's you know seventy eight games left I'm not a math magician that's I think that's about <laughs> my limits as far as math goes. Uh, you got <laughs> long way to go. <laughs> yes, long. We have long plenty of time way. left. You know, there's time left for us to like make some improvement and show some progress to where some of these veteran guys. Um, this could be an attractive destination for them. So, I, I would encourage people not to like get too down after one game, I, because there's a lot. There's going to be a lot more of these. Trust me. Like if if you just say if you if you have not yet. Uh, do yourself a favor and look at that schedule and be realistic with, with yourself and say, yeah. which of these games do I think that this team can win? And you, you yeah. might uh, you might handle these losses a little bit better. Yeah. All I, all I got to say is people pace yourself because if you're burning out after game four, man, you're going to have a long, long season and not you're not going to be a happy person to be around. So all I can say is, like I said, pace yourself. Brace yourself, and like Vader said, go look at that schedule because it's one of the most one of the most insane schedules I've ever seen to start a season. Like even if um, we had a good team, Lashar, even if we had like a championship contending yeah. team, and I looked at that schedule, I would be like, man, I hope we could come out of this like five hundred. <laughs> That's how bad yeah. the schedule is. Yeah. So, like you said, that if you don't take anything from this podcast today. At least take go look at the schedule and then kind of temper your expectations after that. So uh, that's going to do it for today's show. The Rockets game play on Friday against uh, another surprising team. Portland is actually 4-1 and one to start the year. And you know Damian Lillard, for some reason, always likes to play the Rockets. And it, he's a superstar, but he seems to become a mega superstar when he plays the Rockets. So we'll kind of see how that game plays out. We'll probably have another podcast this weekend. So as usual, we appreciate everybody jumps on every single day. Uh, time we come on the air 
uh, whether you're checking us out on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcast. We definitely appreciate everybody that joins us every week. And make sure you join us for our next episode of the Rocket Fuel Podcast presented by Clutch Fans.